And we could probably do this for all year. Um, tonight, I've never taught this subject this way, but I think what we're going to be doing is looking at some of the different ways the healing can come. Different ways to minister or different ways to receive healing. I usually focus on one most of the time in here because that's, I feel like I'm part of my calling is to equip people with that. But I'm going to show you a couple other ways that healing can come. And then I believe at the end we might go into a little more detail of the one I normally teach on most of the time. All right? So the first way I want to talk about healing can come. Now these are just different avenues. This first one I'm going to call faith of the sick person. And if you will turn, well, let me just, let me just say this. Everybody remember the, uh, the, the, uh, the story of the woman with an issue of blood? Everybody remember that? And there's other stories like this. But Jesus was on his way somewhere to heal, I think it's Jairus' daughter. So he's on his way from one place to another, and crowds of people are crowding around him. And all of a sudden, he stops and he says, who touched me? Everybody remember this story? Jesus asked, who touched me? He didn't know who it was. One thing I learned from this story is that Jesus wasn't picking and choosing. He didn't even know who it was. All right? And so he said, who touched me? Anybody remember the story? And, um, and nobody would answer for a while, and he kept pressing. And finally, this lady came forward and she said, I've had an issue of blood for however many years. And um, she said, but I said to myself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I will be healed. So she said something. She said what she got. Sometimes, let me just say this, you can have what you say. Think about that. There was no reason why someone would believe that you can touch someone's clothes and get healed from them, but she just believed that. So she pressed through, touched his garment, and, he was, and she was healed. And when Jesus is talking to her afterwards, he tells her, woman, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. She, on her own faith, she took it. She took her healing. Now this is not a requirement and it is not a prerequisite. Let me underline, let me emphasize that. Because Jesus healed people that did not have any faith at all too. Remember he raised some people from the dead. And you know they weren't having faith. They were dead. So when I say this, I'm not saying this is a requirement. I'm saying this is one way that you can get healed by your own faith. Let me give you a personal story about this. One time we were helping clean up um, around my dad's uh, shed and we got into some poison ivy and I got it really bad and my wife got it a little bit. And it was, um, poison ivy is from the devil. Yeah. Yeah. 
That stuff is awful. And so one night she is, uh, can't stand it anymore. I mean, it's in the middle of the night, you're itching, you can't. And she said, God, if it's possible to take my healing, then I take it right now. I take my healing. And guess what? She didn't have poison ivy anymore. So the next morning, I find out about that, and I'm like, I look like a walking pizza here. So you know I was going for that too, but I couldn't get it for some reason. But she got it. She got healed from poison ivy. Now, I'll tell you all the rest of my story in a few minutes. But um, anyway, another time, she had injured her rib while she was exercising. And one day, she just decided she was just going to go for it and go running. And so she went running, and it went away. Now, you don't run when you have a cracked rib, by the way. Actually, my, come to think of it, my wife has done this a lot more than I have. I've done this a few times. Um, for example, every now and then I have, a, there's a pain that tries to come in one of my knees. And it will hurt when I'm walking uphill or downhill or when I'm walking up and down stairs. And the temptation is to start dreading walking up and down the stairs. Like changing the way you behave because of the symptom on my body. And sometimes I don't catch this right off the bat, but um, when I finally realize what's going on and remember who I am and what Jesus did for me, when I'm walking up to a staircase that I, that's going to cause pain, I'll start saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to walk up those stairs without any pain. My knee is healed. Jesus paid for my healing. I'm healed. And I'll go up the stairs and it'll hurt. And every step, my knee is healed. I'm walking up these stairs without any pain. Now, when I'm doing this, I'm using my words like a thermostat rather than a thermometer. A thermostat tells you what the temperature is going to be. A thermometer tells you what it is. Okay? Everybody know what I mean by that? Like when you're at home, you set the temperature. Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm saying God said Jesus paid for my healing, then that's true and I receive it, so I'm declaring what's going to be, how it's going to be. I'm not describing how it is. I'm not um, ignoring it and pretending it's not there. I'm using my words to change it. Can we turn to Mark 11:23? Mark eleven twenty three. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. And during testimony time, I heard three or four of these. When someone has a pain coming back on them and they say, no, you don't. That's what you're doing right there. You're telling that mountain to get out of the way. 
You're declaring what's yours and you get to have that. What you say is important. Questions on this? Anybody in here received healing on their own without anybody praying for them? Ever? So can, can, uh, can you tell us about that? Tell that story? Uh, it happened a number of times. I shared it here. I like, brought this fingertip off and it was... And I didn't, I didn't feel it because I didn't feel anything. At the time. My neuropathy was slowly getting better. I feel it now, but I had no sensation in my peripheral nerve. So I burned it out in an appliance light. So I didn't really think about it. And the next day I looked at it, I was like, that's really ugly. And it was, so I said, in Jesus' name, clear up. He healed me. And I, I didn't think about it because I couldn't really feel it. But if I had been able to feel it, it would really hurt. And two hours later, it totally just it was burned. That's great. That's great. Um, Susan, did you have one? Could you share? I did. I was um, riding my bike. My husband and I were on vacation in the mountains. And I just had a really bad headache. And I commanded it to get off me in the name of Jesus. And luckily, my husband was in front of me, so I could talk and let him. <laughs> crazy. But um, it went away. And I felt great. So whenever I don't feel good, that, I do that. David. I, uh, a few weeks ago, I sprained my finger, and I woke up the next morning, and it was all stiff, and I couldn't bend it, so I just prayed for it, and uh, the swelling went down, and I could move it immediately, but then in between the two fingers, it was very sore, uh, and so I prayed on that all day long, and into the next day, and finally the next day, I realized I can move it without pain. Um, I don't know if any, what's that? Yeah, I was about to tell that. So a couple of months ago, I'm making dinner and I'm cutting up uh, scallions or something and I'm in a hurry and I cut the end of this finger off. I'm sorry to be graphic. So let me, let me tone this down a hair. How can I say this? Okay, so I'm sorry in advance. But um, I grabbed it off the table and put it back on there, and I started telling it that it's going to live. I was walking around saying life, life, because Proverbs 18.21 says that life and death is in the power of my words. So I'm telling my finger it's going to live. And so I put, it, I put it back on there, and I was doing this and walking around speaking to it, the temptation is to freak out right there. But freaking out and fear is not going to get you over. Freaking out and fear is never going to get you over. That's not ever going to get you where you need to be. So I wrapped it up, and I just kept speaking to it. And every time that thing hurt, I would tell it. And then I would get temptations from the enemy about how, what, how this is going to turn out. And I would have to tell him, no, it's not. My finger's going to be well. And guess what? If I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know. You can't tell. And I never went to the doctor. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm just, I didn't. 
I go to the doctor every time I need to. I just don't usually need to. Okay? Nothing wrong with going to the doctor, but this way is a lot cheaper and more convenient. More effective. Yeah, there's no scar. You can't, I mean, you can't tell. Read uh, verse 24 in Mark 11. It says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm going to say that again. Therefore, when I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Does it say after you have them, believe it? No, it says believe that you have it before you have it. Believe that you receive it and then you have it. All of this relates together. Yes? Can you speak up? Significant running pain, okay. In my groin area, uh-huh. paralyzed me where I, I could not run. Mm-hmm. And speaking to that was at first, um, when I tried to keep running, I would kind of wait for it to come and then pray. But I found that what was happening was, before I went to run, I said, I can run today with no pain. Mm-hmm. And then when I would run, there would be no pain. And I don't really have any pain anymore. So, but significant difference, not that it can't happen the other way, mm-hmm. but I just noticed that it was just something that was being aggravated, something I enjoy doing, I felt like the enemy was trying to take from me, yeah. and I was like, no, I'm going to run today, and I will have no pain, my body will cooperate when I run, yes. and pray. Yes. So, believing before I necessarily... So how about this? If you have pain in your body right now, if you have pain in your body, let's just say this by faith. Why not? Just go for it. Say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to have this pain is leaving my body. I'm going to walk free in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay? And if something acts up, why don't you just say that to it sometimes? That's not my future. I'm not stuck with this. You know, that goes back to what we were saying the other day about prophesying you know, the best outcome. Yeah. You know, that reinforces what you were saying last week. Yeah, um, so a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the difference between fear and faith. And fear is meditating like you're making up a future. Nobody knows the future but God, so you don't know the future. And so when you think about the future, you can think about good stuff or you can think about bad stuff. So if you're thinking about a bad outcome for your situation, then it's going to produce fear in you, I guarantee it. But if you are thinking about a good outcome, that's faith. And God told us that when we think about things, we should think about things that are good and pure. It talks about that in Philippians chapter 4. God wants us to expect good things. God likes it when we get our hopes up. Okay? 
Good point, Skip. Thank you. Yes. Uh, one of the scriptures that really helps me in times like that. Is Can you speak up? Yeah. One of the scriptures that helps me uh, build my faith is Romans eight eleven. Yes. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And that that helps me and builds my faith. Because, okay, this is this is going because the Holy Spirit lives in and, and that's an awesome verse for that. I love that one for that myself too. I agree. And it, it says He will give life to your mortal body. That's your physical flesh. Your mortal body is your physical body. Just say it, man. The Lord says, I know, the, I know the plans I have for you. The plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Everybody know that verse? Well, just say that. God, I know your plan is for me to prosper and not be stuck in this. Take the Bible that fits you and say it. That's how you're staking your claim on that ground. That's mine. If God said it, then I want everything God wants me to have. Right? Don't you? And like David said at the men's retreat this weekend, let's let Jesus get everything he paid for. If he carried all of our sickness and all of our pain, as it tells us in Isaiah 53, 4, and if by his wounds we are healed, as it says in Isaiah 53, 5, if he already paid for all that, why not let him get what he paid for? So that's when I was telling you, when I walk up and down the stairs and my knee's hurting, I'm saying, Jesus paid for me to be free from this. This don't belong on me. This is trespassing. Did you have something? Yeah, I like what you said a couple of years ago was, if God's giving it away for free, I'm getting in line twice. <laughs> Everybody hear that? If God's giving it away for free, then I'm getting in line twice. It's a one for customer, right? I don't know. I've been healed a bunch of times. When I was first trying to grab hold of this, I remember I was driving down to, into Beaver Creek, and I had like, there was about four or five areas of pain in my body. I don't remember what it was from, but I, rem, I just, I forgot about this until right now. So I was trying out, in the name of Jesus, I command all that pain to get out of my elbow. i get out of my elbow, get out, and it would go away, and I would move on to the next place. You have to learn how to do this. Now, I'm still praying that not to have to wear glasses anymore because I don't believe I should have to wear glasses. Right? And so just because it, I don't see it yet doesn't mean that God, God didn't want me to have to wear glasses. That's not how... People aren't wearing glasses in heaven. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Go for it. I believe Jesus paid for my eyesight. Okay. The next one is going to be the faith of a friend or a relative. And there are several examples of this. But one of them, um, let's I think it's in Matthew 8, if you want to turn there. 
Yes, Matthew 8, beginning at verse 5. It says, Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said, I will come heal him. I will come heal him. Don't you love Jesus' attitude? The guy didn't even ask yet. Isn't that cool? I will come heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to, another, I say to uh, this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed you, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, he's talking about the people from the Israel that were rejecting him, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping of gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that hour. So this shows that you can have faith for somebody else. I love this. And this really helps when you're going to be when you're going to be praying for someone in person. And sometimes when you're praying with somebody and they're especially if they've had something for a long time and they've been around some bad teaching when you start praying for them they'll be trying really hard to get healed and what I say in those situations is because of this verse I can say your job is relax and that's it you don't even have to believe and that lets them relax and receive rather than trying to grit their teeth and pull something down And if you have someone that's sick, you can have faith for them. And they don't even have to be where you are. You can pray for people across town. Right? Over the phone. Anybody ever prayed for somebody over the phone and they got healed? Raise your hand. Let's see them. How about that? Or prayed for somebody from a distance and they got healed. or You, you weren't over the phone. I like the story about the lady at work that you prayed about that was Jewish and her headaches, I think it was. Yeah, let me tell that. So there's a, um, a lady at work, and um, she's a sweet lady. She's very nice. And she, um, she's very, like, she's, she's Jewish, but she, like, they keep the feast and stuff. Like, she's serious about it, okay? And um, she's very nice. And one day, um, she's asking me to help her with something, and we're walking down the hall, and she, she says, man, this migraine is really hurting me. And um, so we were, we were talking about that on the way to the elevator, and I said, well, did you hear about what happened to my wife? 
She said, I heard something about, but I don't know. So I told her the story. She was like, wow, that's amazing. And by the time we got to the, uh, the womb where we were going to, I said, well, I can pray for you if you want. She said, I'll take anything. So she sat in the chair, and her headache was like a 10 out of 10. It was bad. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I command all this pain to get out of her. I, I command this headache to leave. How's that feel now? She said, it's like half of what it was. And so I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. Something like that. Totally healed. Her headache's gone. Totally gone in the name of Jesus that she doesn't believe in. Okay? And then, and then I said, how about, she said, this is awesome. She said, I've tried everything. And she was just going on and on. And then she said, let me ask you something. She said, um, we, don't, we don't believe in Jesus, something like that. So talk to me. And so I said, um, well, you know what I believe? I believe in the Old Testament that you believe in. But then I believe that, um, I believe the New Testament, Jesus came. God came in the form of a man. And he went around healing everybody that came to him. And then he told everybody that believes in him that they get to do it too. So this is what I'm doing. And she, she said, well, I'm not ready to believe in that, but I believe in you because you're so genuine or something like that. So she wasn't ready yet, but God healed her body and she doesn't believe in Jesus. All right? And if you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts, the fact that they were getting healed is what made people believe in Jesus. They weren't getting healed because of their strong belief. They were getting healed, and then they believed in Jesus as a response. So the faith of the sick person is never a prerequisite. But you can get healed from your own faith. Okay, does that make sense? I've heard a lot of teaching focusing on you've got to believe, and it's putting all the weight on the sick person. I don't like that. That's not right. We're supposed to rescue them, not put more burdens on them until they go home feeling guilty. That's how I see it. Another similar story is the woman that had, uh, she came to Jesus and her daughter was at home with a demon. She's called the Syrophoenician woman. And she said, uh, my, home is, my, my daughter's home with a demon, can you help me? Now, she's not, she's not a Jewish lady. She's a Gentile lady. And Jesus told her, I'm not sent to the Gentiles. I'm sent to the Jews. And he was. Jesus was sent to the Jews when he first came to let them believe so that God's kingdom could start expanding through the nation of Israel. And Israel rejected him as a whole. But when he came, he was coming for the Israelites. So he said, I'm not, it's not right for me to take from the Israelites and give it to you. Basically, what he said was, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And she said, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from under the table. And he, and he, it says he was amazed at her faith, and he said, your faith has made your daughter well. And her daughter got free from a demon because of that. Now, I want to point out something. Both of these stories we just read, the centurion that we read and the Syrophoenician woman I just talked about, these are two individuals that are not Jewish. And at the time when these things happened, they had no right to be talking to Jesus at all. There was no covenant between them and God. 
And rather than getting rebuked for believing going too big, Jesus, those are the only two people Jesus ever complimented for having great faith. Which tells us something interesting about Jesus' character and God's character. He doesn't get mad when we believe too big. When we go for something that's not even promised, that doesn't upset him. He, he likes that, actually. What do y'all think about that? All things are possible to God. This story's coming to mind. Right? Yes. Uh, in response to your question, I guess God just loves it when we believe in Him and come to Him and act truly in faith. He wants us to do that, right? He does. Um, Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you believe that God wants to heal you, He likes that. That's not being presumptuous. See, I've been told before that that's being presumptuous, that you believe God wants to heal you. Has anybody ever heard that? That's wrong. God wants to heal you. And when you believe that, that's faith and he likes that. One of the main problems with healing is all this bad teaching. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of bad teaching on healing. I hate to say that. Well, not only do the people not get healed, then there's more damage because of the bad teaching. It's like they have to unlearn all that before they can even come so, to a place of faith and so then she, get healed. So she said not only does it hurt people because they don't get healed, but then they get all this bad teaching on them and that prevents them in the future. And they have to break through all of that. I know that's what, how it was for me. It's hard to unlearn some stuff sometimes. But it's worth it. This, and it all comes back to thinking we've got to earn something that Jesus paid for. Or having a wrong view of God's character. And again, I want to encourage everybody in here. If one good thing to spend some good energy on is finding out about God's character. What's he like? Ask him to show you about that. Or send people across your path to teach you about that. Or ask him to open your eyes to that or put you in places where you can hear about that. But ask him. Say, Lord, I want to, I want to know your real character. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, we, we have a kind of an adage of uh, under-promise and over-deliver. That that's not the way it works with God. <laughs> that's great. Um, questions on that before I move on? This is tricky to this one, so just stay with me. A manifestation of the Spirit. Also known as a uh, spiritual gift. I want to qualify this by saying that every healing is done by the Holy Spirit. There has never been a healing that wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who moves atoms around and puts body parts back together and all of that kind of stuff, okay? So when the faith of the sick person gets them healed, it's the Holy Spirit fixing their body. Faith of a friend is the Holy Spirit fixing their body. 
But sometimes this I'm category, categorizing a bunch of them together that don't that don't fit these other ones. Let's turn to um, Second Kings. Wait a minute. Let's turn to John nine first. John 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now let me just take a moment to say how jacked up that is. That this man sinned that he was born blind. What was he sinning in the womb? Boy. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. Then he anointed the eyes of the man with the clay he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. That is very weird. If you want to read another one like this, I won't go through it now, but it's in 2 Kings chapter 5, where a man comes to see the prophet. There's a man that has leprosy, and he comes to see the prophet. And the prophet says, Go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Right? And so the man argues for a minute, then he just decides to go ahead and do it. And when he does it the seventh time, he comes out of there with no leprosy. Naaman. So let me talk a little bit about what's going on in these situations and other ones like it. Now, my diagram is not completely accurate because the Holy Spirit is inside of every believer. But it's hard for me to draw the lines this way. But if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is inside of you not and outside of you too. And if the sick person's a Christian, then the Holy Spirit's inside of them as well. Okay? But what's going on in instances like this is the Holy Spirit will tell you something and allow you to deliver it to the sick person. And this is what's known as a manifestation of the Spirit. And this is talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. The gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has something that He wants to do for the sick person, so he will t tell you something, and either you do it or you share that information with the sick person. So the Holy Spirit evidently told Jesus 
to make mud pies and put them in the guy's eye and tell him to go wash in the lake or in the pool. Or the Holy Spirit told the prophet, tell the man with leprosy, go wash seven times in the Jordan. Now, washing seven times in the Jordan is not the cure for leprosy, and mud pies are not the cure for blindness. And if you want to ask me why it works like this, I have no idea. But, yes? Well, I, just, I think it's amazing that every time Jesus healed a blind person, it was a different way each time. That's very He said it. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, each time you read about Jesus healing a blind person, he did it in a different way. So that one guy did it a different way each time. Yep. Did a different way each time. This is why it's important that any time you're praying for people is to always be listening if the Holy Spirit's telling you something. Just get the idea that you always have an antenna up for whatever he's going to say. Because sometimes he will tell you something to do or he will share something that this person is struggling with that they haven't, they might not even be aware of it. Let me give an example of that. We had someone come for prayer that had um, really bad arthritis, really bad. And she, um, we were praying for her and praying for her and it was going nowhere. And then um, my wife said, is a, uh, she started asking her some questions, and we learned that um, someone had told this lady that she didn't have, they had, she had been prayed for before, and, and nothing happened, and the person praying for her said she didn't have enough faith. Now that really makes me angry. And so she's standing there under condemnation. So we said, that's a lie. You're, you came up here to get prayer. I know you have faith. You wouldn't be up here if you didn't believe. Right. right? They wouldn't be standing there if they didn't believe a little bit. Plus, that's not even required anyway. If you're praying for somebody and nothing's happening, don't blame it on them. And don't blame it on God. Just admit, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. What's wrong with that? That way you're not putting them under under condemnation and you're not throwing God under the bus like if you don't know then just say I don't know it's okay that you don't know I don't know I don't know everything so anyway we found out that and then the, so the Holy Spirit told us that and he told us that there was fear also and so we came against fear and that other, those other lies and then we started praying for her feet and the pain went out of her feet and we prayed for her legs, and it went out of her legs. And in a few minutes, she's totally free. She's pain-free. And so the Holy Spirit knows how to do it. So whatever he's saying overrides everything else we talk about. Right? Now, I want to go into a little bit how the Holy Spirit communicates with us. It's a little bit, it can be different for each person. But one of the common ways is that he will put a thought in your head that you didn't think of. And one of the ways that you can recognize this is you can say, why am I thinking about this right now? Like why, like you can be talking to someone and you can, why am I thinking about back pain? Is your back hurting? Yes, it is. Okay. 
or sometimes he will show you a picture. Now the pictures, I'm going to describe it the way they look to me. If you, like imagine in your mind, do you remember um, driving here? Like in your mind, remember your trip here tonight. And that's a picture in your head or like a video? Well, when the Holy Spirit tells me stuff sometimes, it's like I'm seeing a memory that hasn't happened yet. That's how it looks in my mind. It's like he's taking my imagination and using it to show me something. Does that make sense, everybody? Or sometimes he'll show you, like you'll see, like you'll just get this feeling that something's off here and you'll know there's an evil spirit involved. Um, it's like you have a, uh, a radar detector and the Holy Spirit, and there's an unclean spirit that's setting it off. Now, let me advise you, especially in here, but I would just say this is a good principle to follow. That if the Holy Spirit is telling you something, don't just say, thus saith the Lord, you are this. Okay? Just trust me, don't do that. Go in low and say, it seems like the Holy Spirit is saying there may be problems with fear. Does that sound right to you? And then if they say no, then you can say, okay, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. But sometimes they'll say yes. David, can you elaborate on any of this? Sure. So, uh, Why don't you come up? I'm not putting you on the spot or anything, but yeah. Um. So Neil's right, there's uh, different ways. Uh, sometimes it's an impression. Sometimes it may be a, a word uh, or, or whatever. But what I like to do is, I, I will say this, I'm getting an impression of, you know, uh, you're having a lower, or lower back pain, or is your back bothering you? And then that way, it's, it's not putting on them that they have to agree with you. And it's not putting yourself up like you're super spiritual. Um, and by the way, I was sitting back there. Is anyone having a problem with their right toe bothering them? You? For about five years. I love it when God gives yeah. an example. Yeah. She doesn't feel any pain at all. How about that? So you were feeling pain the whole class and now... And I was even thinking in my mind, you know, like um, relating what you're teaching to my own personal mm -hmm. situation and how I've held on to, what am I going to do? Am I going to get the surgery or not? Because I have a doctor's name now. 
Okay. How about that? And I was sitting here on that and saying to the Lord, all right, if you want me to bring this out, have me on call me. <laughs> and I had no idea that conversation took place in his, inside of his head. But I kept looking at him when I started talking. So the Holy Spirit's like, Neil. Right? How about that? What do y'all think about that? Yes. So let me ask you, how would, when you were... Knowing about a toe, how did that come to you right now? Uh, at first, uh, it was like I thought of a toe, and I was looking at mine, and, and it was like, and I was getting a little bit of stiffness and uncomfortable, yeah. you know. Exactly. And I mean, you couldn't explain it any better. <laughs> so sometimes the way this information will come is that you will feel the symptom that they have. Like I've walked into a room and all of a sudden a headache hits me. And I'm like, do you have a headache? And they say, yes. Or I've had it where we're standing in this prayer circle praying and all of a sudden I have pain in my knee. And I say, does somebody's knee hurting? Yes, me. So that's just the way that he's giving you information. Skip. Is that a Holy Spirit twofer again? A Holy Spirit twofer. Yeah, the Holy Spirit told you to call Dave. Dave got up. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets to play. Yes. Thank you, Dave. Uh, yes. I can't think of any, but offhand. But were there are, in the Old Testament? Are there any examples of healings where somebody healed somebody? Somebody prayed over somebody. They were healings. Yeah. There were. Okay. Yeah, the very first healing in the Bible, Genesis chapter twenty, yeah. Abraham play, prayed for the uh, the whole town because the women couldn't have children, okay. and they all were able to bear children. So the very first healing in the Bible is like that. Okay. Well, he wasn't praying in Jesus' name. No, he wasn't praying in Jesus' name. He was, just he was just praying. But yeah, there's other times. So, um, like, you remember when the, when the widows, I mean, the, the woman uh, had that kid and the kid died. And Elijah, is it Elijah came back? Elisha, okay. Um, and he went, he went back and ministered to, and raised the boy from the dead even. Yep. Healing is all through the Bible because that's a part of God's character. So what this diagram here is showing us one of the avenues of healing where it doesn't require the faith of the sick person. It's not the faith of a friend necessarily, even though these can be involved. But this is the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody's toe. So he tells somebody and that person acts in faith Right? That's just, we just saw this diagram happen. And you get to do this too. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. So He can tell you these kind of things anytime. Now, I will say this from my experience with Him. It is very unusual if I am absolutely certain that it's Him telling me this. That's unusual. Like Dave, he said, he, wa he wasn't sure, so he asked him to do something to let him know. And I do that too. And it's okay to have that relationship with him. So uh, let me encourage you also, let one of your prayers be, Holy Spirit, train me to recognize your voice. Train me to recognize your voice. 
So if you're ever here on a Sunday and like Brian's up at the front, and he said somebody's got something wrong with their neck. You know what I'm talking about? That's what's going on. The Holy Spirit's telling him stuff and he's sharing it. Now, this is not the only way this works. Sometimes, and I, I really don't understand this either, but sometimes the Holy Spirit just heals somebody right in their chair. Um, like, uh, like Wayne, he said he was in church one day and his back just got healed. Um, there's another guy, that who was that? He had foot problems and he was about to go on a mission trip and he was thinking about canceling his mission trip and in the middle of the service, his feet start tingling and his foot got healed. And nobody prayed for him, there was no word. I don't understand that. I, but I receive it, I believe it. But I, I don't know how to have any effect on that. Other than when it's there, jump on it. Okay? We've had in here before where someone came to the meeting so that they could get prayed for afterwards. And during the night, I mean, during the meeting, we're, we're just teaching, and then she came up for prayer, and I said, how's, how's your back feeling? She said, well, it doesn't hurt anymore. And it had been hurting for I don't know how long. He just healed her in the middle of the meeting. I do not know the math formula for that. But it is an avenue to be healed. All right, the next one, I'm going to spend the rest of the time on this. This is when one of the sons of God act on their authority. Yes. That's a great point. Did everybody hear that? Could you? I don't want to butcher that, so will you say that loud? It was a great point. Uh, I was just saying that um, I think it's God's nature is showing by not having a formula or you know, a way that you do it the same way every time to show that we need to be dependent on Him. And furthermore, that just the way that we're, that we're made, that when you or when you feel like you figure something out or you arrive, then it's about you. So it, it makes us, you know, it helps us to stay humble, to rely on Him, and for Him to always get the glory instead of us feeling like we have something over somebody else by knowing or not knowing. So God is a God of variety and not rubber stamping stuff. Okay? Okay. So this one, I'm just going to call this authority of the believer. When I say authority, what I mean is you've been authorized. My definition for authority in this area, it goes like this. Authority is permission to act without permission. And if you think about any area of life where someone has authority over something, like at work, like a manager has an authority over his department, for example, then the way that that manager communicates their authority 
or exercises their authority is by giving orders, right? Saying what needs to happen. Everybody with me right now? Authority is when you use your voice or you communicate the will in some way. Now, what we are as sons and daughters of God is that we are authorized, and I want you to think of yourselves like you are law enforcement for the kingdom of God. Okay? You are there to enforce the will of your Father in heaven. You're not there to beg and plead God to do something. You are there to enforce his will that he has already made plain. Skip. I like um, what you taught me is in my past, I used to say, God, if it's your will, please heal my friend Sarah Bailey. And it is God's will. I don't have to beg him to heal. And I just claim my authority and say, in Jesus' name, be healed. Holy Spirit, me. Exactly right. So let me, let me, uh, we read this verse earlier, but if you're still, if you can go back to uh, Mark 11. Mark eleven twenty three. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So here, let me draw this diagram again. God, you, and the mountain. Okay? Again, God's inside of you. And the mountain can be whatever obstacles in your way. So let's just talk about it in the context of healing. The mountain is going to be sickness that's on somebody. Now this tells me, let me tell you what it doesn't say. Tell God about the mountain and ask him to move the mountain. That verse does not say that. That's usually surprising to people. Instead, it tells you to talk to the mountain. I've heard it said this way. Instead of telling God about the mountain, tell the mountain about God. It's saying that you can tell it to be removed, and if you believe what you're saying, then you will have what you're saying. So let's take a look at a couple of examples where this is happening in regards to healing. So turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 4. This first one is going to be when Jesus is dealing with the demon. And sometimes demons cause sickness and other issues. And the solution is this authority. Verse 31 in Luke chapter 4. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. 
Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then Jesus started praying, Dear Heavenly Father, Is that what it says? What does it say? Jesus told that demon to shut up. If you actually look in the Greek here, the word means be muzzled. So Jesus, so the man has a demon and the demon's trying to intimidate Jesus. And Jesus doesn't pray for God to do something. Jesus is God, but he's not praying for the Father to do something. He tells the demon what to do. He says, muzzle it and beat it. Get out. It's really short. And if you look at how Jesus ministered to sick people, that's very consistent. His prayers are like one or two words. Be quiet and leave. And then it says the demon threw a temper tantrum and then left. Come down to verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. So this is someone with a fever, and he speaks to a fever and tells it what to do, and it leaves. That makes no sense, but that's how it works. This doesn't work because it makes sense. It works because that's how God made it. I would say, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but most of the healings I've seen, and I have seen a lot of healings, is when I just decide to command this trespasser to leave God's son or daughter. The trespasser being some kind of sickness or injury. And I commanded to leave, and it goes. That is awesome. That makes no sense, but it sure is awesome. Let's keep going. Uh, chapter 5. Verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. That's the prayer. Be cleansed. Two words. Immediately the leprosy left him. Go over, now there's a, you can read through and see Jesus doing this all over the place. And usually, most people that are Christians don't really have a problem with reading, thinking that Jesus can do that. Where we get into a problem is where we start thinking that we can do that. Okay? So I, want, I just want to show you that this is not just for Jesus. It's for you. Write this down and meditate on this verse, John 14, 12. Let this be a memory verse for you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. 
Whoever believes in me, the works I do, he will do also, and even greater than these, because I go to my Father. It's God's will, it's Jesus' desire that you do the same stuff he did. So we are not being arrogant or anything like that when we start believing that. That's God's idea, not our idea. Now go over to Acts 3. We're going to look at one of these. Acts chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. Acts 3, verse 1. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms or asked for money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength, and so on and so forth. Now I want to ask you, in this story, did Peter and John pray to God to heal this man? No, they didn't. They used their authority just like their rabbi, just like Jesus taught them. They spoke to the mountain. There's only one time that I know of in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where the healing didn't happen. And it's when Jesus is coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration. And he comes up to a crowd of people, and they're arguing, and then a man tells Jesus, this is in Matthew 17, if you want to read it later, but the man says, Jesus, my son is suffering with these seizures. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. If you can do anything, please help me. And Jesus says, if I can, all things are possible to him that believes. I love that. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. Y'all familiar with that? Jesus says, bring him to me. And he he brings the boy to him, and Jesus commands the demon to leave the boy, and the boy is set free. And then right after that, his disciples say, Lord, why couldn't we do it? And if this is true, this would have been a great time for Jesus to say, Well, it wasn't God's timing. Or it wasn't God's will. But he did not say that. He told his disciples, it's because of your unbelief. He didn't blame it on God, and he didn't blame it on the sick people. And he said, it's because of your unbelief. Now, let me ask you, these guys live with Jesus. Did they... Was it a problem of unbelief that Jesus could do it? Do you think they believed Jesus could do it? Right. They believed Jesus could do it. That's not the problem here. What's the problem? 
They didn't believe they could do it. That's the problem. They didn't believe they could do it. That's interesting, isn't it? What that tells me is, if God tells you that you can do something, then you need to believe that you can do it. And if you don't know how, then start learning. Right? So, if we take all of this authority into account, this is the simplest I can make it as far as healing goes. And again, this is not a formula. This is just based off some principles that we've read tonight. In my mind, step one is always listen to the Holy Spirit. And you always want to be doing that. Anytime you're praying for healing, that's always step one. Holy Spirit, are you saying something? And if he's saying something, then that's what you do. And hopefully he's not going to tell you to spit in the mud and put it in somebody's eye. But I mean, he's told a friend of mine, there was a lady with nerve pain in her face, and he told him to come over and smack her face. And he did it, and she was healed. That doesn't mean that's how to solve face pain, okay? <laughs> because if the Holy Spirit told me to do that, I would be really praying under my breath. He's going to have to give me some kind of confidence or something. But when my wife got healed, they were praying for her and she couldn't walk hardly. She could walk about 50 feet. And the Holy Spirit told my friend Bill to have my wife get up and walk to the end of his street, turn left, go up the hill and touch the mailboxes. So he told her to go do that. And she went and did it and she got healed from fibromyalgia and RSD. That is awesome. So when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, do that. And I would just want us in here, just make this a practice. Just go in low and if you say, it seems like the Holy Spirit saying this, does that register with you? Just go like that. That'll keep you safe. Now let's say you're on the receiving end of that and someone is in here learning and they say, I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that you need to uh, move to Alaska. <laughs> then I'm going to say, you know what, I don't, think, I don't think so. But that's okay, thank you for trying. But I'm not going to say, you know what, you're from the devil. Because we have to be able to make mistakes. How can you learn if you can't make mistakes? Right? So just understand that we're all trying to learn. So if the Holy Spirit is not telling you something in the moment, then the Holy Spirit, you know, wrote the Bible. And he's the one that told us about authority in the Bible. So use your authority to evict the problem. Tell the problem what you want it to do. Or another way to say this, is speak life to their body or whatever it is. Like when the guy had a withered hand and he came up to Jesus and Jesus said, stretch out your hand and his hand stretched out and he got healed. Or he tells people to take up their mat and walk. Or he tells someone with this deaf that he tells their ears to be opened. Okay? 
Well, we're about to do this. Let me give a couple of more instructions, okay? Now, this is, this is just to help you get started if you've never done this before. This is how I, I pray for people. I, uh, this is always going on, listen to the Holy Spirit. But I'll ask them, what's, what's wrong? What can I do for you? Jesus said that sometimes. What can I do for you? Remember the two blind men when Jesus was walking down the path? They're yelling, Jesus. He says, what can I do for you? Smith Wigglesworth used to say, what's up? What's up? <laughs> so let's just say it's, uh, I've got pain in my elbow. And I'll say, okay, how bad is the pain on a scale of 1 to 10? The reason I'm asking this is because after I pray, I'm going to ask them to check it and tell me if it feels any better. So let's say they say it's about a 6. And then oftentimes I'll ask them, is there something that you can't do? Or is there some way that you, when you move it, it makes it worse? Something like that. When I'm doing that, I'm trying to find a way that we can test it after I pray. Okay? So then the next thing I do is I'll say, in the name of Jesus, I command that pain to leave that elbow, and I command that elbow to obey God and be healed. Now notice, I am not telling God what to do. That is dumb. Nobody tells God what to do. You're telling something to obey God. That's what you're doing. Okay, think about it like that. You're enforcing the Father's will. So I'll command it to go in Jesus' name, and then I'll say, does that feel any better, or can you move it? Does it move any better? And have them test it. Okay? Now, if it feels better, but it's not all the way there, oftentimes I'll like to celebrate the victory so far. I'll say, thank you, Father, that it's already 20% better, or whatever. And then we'll pray again. Did you know that sometimes Jesus had to pray more than once? Did you know that? That's in Mark 8, starting at verse 24, if you want to read that later. He prayed for a blind man, and the first time he ministered to him, his, his sight was restored partially. He ministered to him again, and it was fully restored, and he could completely see. So it's okay to pray more than once. If you're praying for them, and it gets worse, or if the pain moves into a different part of their body, I can't say always, but I will say a lot of times this is a demon. And what you need to feel at that point is anger instead of fear. That this thing's scared of you and it's been picking on this person and it has to go. And so at that point you say, you unclean spirit, you leave them in Jesus' name. You don't get to do that to them anymore. Demons want to harass people, and it doesn't mean the person's done anything wrong. Demons are like bullies. They just go around looking for who they can pick on. And so your job is to put a stop to that with your authority. Does that make sense to everybody? And then ask them how they feel again. Okay? Does that make sense? Everybody got that? So that's, yes? I like how you've spoken in the past about if you're thinking something... God is always good. So if the Holy Spirit, you're thinking the Holy Spirit saying that, you want to check in your mind about, you know, because the enemy might present something to you because he knows you're trying to evict it. Right. And so you have to filter that where I think in the past you said, 
If it's good, it's from God. And if it's not good... If it, yeah, if it lines up with God's character. If it lines up with how God is. If it lines up with heaven, then I feel safe sharing that. Yes. Okay, so uh, healing is one of the spiritual gifts as a result of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No. No, it's not one of the spiritual gifts? Healing is one of the spiritual gifts, yes. Gifts of healings. That's true, but the second part you said is, the, is not right. Okay. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a prerequisite for any of the gifts. Because people get healed by manifestation of the Spirit all through the Old Testament. Right. Right. There was no, and their baptism with the Holy Spirit didn't happen until 30 A.D. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to, to, do, to operate in healing. Okay. It helps a whole lot, though. But it's not a prerequisite. Okay. Yep, that's a great question. Yeah. Everybody, everybody got that? All right, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to minister healing, okay? So, Father, I thank you for tonight. Um, I thank you for all these truths that you put in your word for us to find. Lord, you tell us in Mark 4 that your word is like seed, and when it finds good soil, it produces fruit. So by faith, I just declare that the seed of your word has found good soil and that it is going to produce fruit. Holy Spirit, I know it's your will that if anybody's in pain or sick in this room, that you want them to walk out of here free. So we agree that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and I pray you guide this time as we begin to minister. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.